This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. They're about an inch tall. Some of the pepper plants, some of the the tomato plants. They're pretty. They're, they're on the smallish side of my greenhouse, but um, I put them in the ground and we'll see what happens. And I also planted a bunch of my greenhouses. I, th- I think we should become the bean capital of the world. <laughs> you think so? The bean. My, my beans. Uh, they grow better. The beans and my hot, beans grow well here. Hot peppers just grow. Hot like peppers greens. grow great, but really, they really take off hot peppers in July and August. Yeah. Right now, they're just kind of struggling to get by. When that heat hits, they just take off. But my beans are doing really well. Oh, yeah. we I should be. Stand. I got a great stand of okra. Oh, do you mind? Mine, well, mine's only about two inches tall, but I'd say I got no, a good, good group of over there. And no, uh, it's a good solid. My corn, of course, didn't come up. You know, you know David, I, I think I'm done. I'm done with corn. I'm done with corn. This is not Wisconsin, you know. No, corn is just done. I think I think they're going to have to put more beans in the ground. I will tell you, I, you know, I didn't plant my garden until May one. Yeah. Uh, so this week I will be able to harvest my radishes. <laughs> So the fruit, radishes and lettuce are all coming out of the garden this week. Uh, so we'll have some lettuce, uh, we'll have some radish salad for the house. But that's the gardening update. Other than David, I was watering by hand, and the water in my garden by hand takes about an hour uh, from my creek. And um, I have a little pump, and the water comes out and puts it in there. And it's just frustrating because you water, it and an hour later it's, it's bone dry again because it's been so warm. And then last night. The skies literally just opened up. Now, I'm not all, all respect to our friends in Houston who were flooded. And shout out to my son, by the way, who's starting his first day of um, work as a law clerk this summer at Foster Global, a wonderful law firm based in, uh, in uh, Houston and in Austin. I think it's the third largest immigration law firm in the country. Uh, and I called him this morning, David, and I said, well, how's the first day of work? He says, well, nobody's here. <laughs> and it turns out... Because of the terrible flooding in Houston, then they were told everybody to stay home. And he said, I was wondering, this, this traffic's easy compared to Atlanta. I, I can come to work every day like this. He said, well, I, I wouldn't count on that going forward. But shout out to Phil for starting his first day of work as an immigration law clerk. So uh, more power to him. Uh, David, it's, it's been an interesting weekend, though, from an immigration perspective. And uh, uh, even on a Memorial Day weekend, stuff happens that... Uh, Welcome to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. We're turning a little late today, but only because I was just so engrossed in my garden today, David. I was just so engrossed in my garden and so excited to see uh, that I'll be eating some lettuce this weekend. Ah, well, that's good. You and the rabbits. And, some ra- and the radish. I don't have any rabbits. I never have any rabbits in my garden. Isn't that interesting? We have rabbits. Uh, not in the garden, but we have rabbits all around our house, as a matter of fact. Because you have a nice little garden fence to keep the rabbits out, I oh, assume. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know. Mine keeps it out, I guess, but I don't. I don't really have any rabbit issues. But uh, I also have tomatoes on my tomato plants. I'm so excited. Yeah, I got them too, and uh, I, I have about uh, I guess about six tomatoes coming. So my That's mom it. is up here visiting from Florida for my nephew's graduation, and she said, "Oh yeah, I was eating tomatoes off my plants." Darn those Florida people! You know, <laughs> figure they got two months on us as far as tomato plants go. Uh, but uh, generally speaking, everything is good in the garden, and, uh, and the rain has been not too much, not too little, and it's been good for the weeds, though. The weeds are doing great. Yeah, yeah. Weeds are doing great. Well, uh, not in my garden. I, I've been, uh, I spend uh, enough time to keep it clean every week. Yeah, and I, I did that. Uh, we, we've got all but two rows perfectly clean now, and uh, the hard part, of course, when seeds are tiny, it seems the weeds always end up right next to the, the nice new plants yeah. you plant, isn't it? Just like right next to them. It's some, something with a gigantic, huge, long root of some kind. Uh, but I used my hula hoe and cut the top off, and they all seem to die, so I'm very happy about that. 
David, uh, this week we had, right after our show last week, what did I predict? That that week we were going to have the decision from the court in the Fifth Circuit. Who should write the decision? Jerry Smith. Jerry Smith. From Lubbock, Texas. From Lubbock, Texas, your old and good friend. Well, you know, we were never super good friends, but we knew knew each other, and I've been over to his house a number of times, and... uh, as I mentioned to you, uh, his father, his father's firm, and his father particularly, uh, was our family accountant from before I was born. You know? Really? Yeah. I mean, he was. He was. Ed Smith was always our family accountant. Well, I assume Ed Smith is long gone at this point. Um, I would think so. Now, are you and Jerry about the same age? Yeah, we are the same. So, age. so 65, 66, something like that. Sixty-eight. Yep. Sixty-eight. So he. He, I was surprised he wrote the decision himself. From what I understand, it was quite uh, lengthy and quite explicit on uh, very yeah. detailed. Yeah, it was, and completely wrong on the law. But other than that, it was a finely written decision. Well, you know, he's the judge, <laughs> and uh, you're the attorney. So, well, he's uh, he's one of three judges. Now, here's what's interesting about this decision that came out this last month, right? Last Tuesday, literally within I think an hour of our show being over, the decision came yeah. out. So we couldn't talk about it last week. Uh, but he was in the majority. It was not a unanimous decision. It was a 2-1 decision. Uh, the other uh, uh, Republican appointee, a George, w, George W. Bush appointee, uh, she sided with Jerry Smith. Uh, and she was really the voice, as we talked about last week, of the oral argument. Jerry didn't really ask many questions, uh, although he kept going back to this case called Massachusetts versus the EPA, uh, in which the uh, state of Massachusetts was suing the EPA over some, some federal regulations and... You know, make a long story short, it basically said that, that case said states have a right to be involved in federal matters when the EPA is involved, except the Supreme Court had never directly ruled on the EPA issue, whereas they directly ruled on the immigration issue. So he's, he's actually ignored several Supreme Court precedents to get to his decision. So yeah, his decision was very well written and well reasoned if you ignore the actual cases that were important to making his decision. Oddly enough, the dissent. You know, I, I like reading dissents because you get an idea of what the discussion might have been like in the back room. The Supreme Court's dissents are always the best because, you know, I mean, I don't think they get personal, but they seem to get personal sometimes. You know, uh, Ruth Bader, you know, Scalia particularly is uh, somewhat biting in his tone. They have to wake Ginsburg up, don't they? Um, only at the State of the Union, but and only after several wines, but... If you had to sit through Obama's study of the Union, weren't you? Wouldn't you be asleep as well? <laughs> just, just his, uh, just his little talk yesterday. Just the first was forty enough. minutes. I don't even know what he talked about yesterday, but um, so uh, we're the most popular the dis- country in the world. Um, the most interesting part of that decision out of the Fifth Circuit was the dissent, because the dissent did not take the the, the majority on directly. The dissent didn't say, "No, that case is wrong, and that case is wrong. And here's why it should be that." Here's what the dissent said. We don't even have authority to hear this case. Why are we even here? And and the the dissenting judge pointed to several Supreme Court precedents and basically said, there is no authority to bring this case. There is no reason, no uh, no basis under which the federal courts have jurisdiction over what is essentially a political matter. Period. End of story. Now that decision was about twenty five pages long or so, give or take. Majority was about 42, 43 pages long. Uh, but what was interesting about the decision is how it did not go after point by point the things that your buddy Jerry talked about, but rather focus on the key question for every federal court. 
do we have the authority and jurisdiction to hear this case? That was interesting. Uh, now, here's you want to hear the best part of this whole thing? That decision, not really that relevant. Chuck, what do you mean it's not that relevant? It was a big deal, right? I mean, we've been waiting for the decision, and if, and if the court had found that uh, the, uh, the district court judge, Hannon, had made an incorrect decision, they would have started DACA and DAPA again. True. All true. But it wasn't even important enough for Obama to appeal. Now, there's a lot of politics that are going on here. We're talking about these politics today. Um, but there's act- that actually was the appeal of the of the preliminary injunction, the preliminary stay in the case, the first thing Hannon did. There is now another appeal of the injunction, the more permanent injunction that Hannon put into place. Now, what's interesting about the permanent injunction is it's going to go, it's also going to be in the Fifth Circuit, but in front of a different panel. So, same basic arguments, same basic ideas. Uh, same basic underlying decision, but a different panel. Now, here's what's also very interesting. Uh, it will not be the same panel for sure. We know it will not be the, the three the three guys, that, the three, three judges that heard the case initially. Uh, we could get three Democratic appointees. We could get three Republican appointees. And they could say, you know, we looked at the underlying case. We looked at what uh, Judge Smith wrote, and that's just legally wrong. And here is the actual decision in the case. And this next decision is what actually controls coming out of the Fifth Circuit. Uh, That case will be heard in July. I think it's July 10th or July 12th, the oral arguments in that case. So we can imagine that we will get a decision probably within about a month of those oral arguments. So by August... We're going to be talking all over again about this decision, and hopefully we'll be talking about how DAPA's in place and how it's changing lives and what a good thing it is for, for, for immigrants and for America. Uh, or we'll be talking about running out the clock under the Obama administration, because if the Fifth Circuit in the next case does not overturn the, the, judge, the district court judge's decision, then the Obama administration really will essentially be forced to go to the Supreme Court on the issue of that injunction. Now, keep in mind... Hannon himself has not even had a trial on this issue. I mean, that, that's still in the background out there. That, the whole trial issue is out there. But what the states will do will be to run out the clock on the Obama administration, even if the Supreme Court takes, takes cert on this case. Um, they're not even in session till October. Probably wouldn't hear it till December. Might not make a decision till next June. So it's kind of like when I explain it to to immigrants, I always use soccer, the soccer analogy. In Americans, I always use the basketball analogy. When you're ahead and you've got a good lead, what do you do? You keep the ball away from the other guy. You can't do that in baseball. You really can't do that in football very well. But in basketball and soccer, you can you can play keep away, just pass, pass. There's no I mean, basketball's got a clock at the pros, but some you know some levels there's no clock. You play keep away, and that's what's going to happen. They're going to play keep away to run out the clock on the Obama administration, moving forward with the uh, with the with the explanation that we just have to have a final resolution uh, of the case before uh, we can implement now. Ultimately, I remain convinced, David, that the law is correct, that Obama is correct on the law. Uh, but I also recognize the politics of this situation. We're having this argument today in the courts 
only because the Obama administration has intentionally decided to not follow the rules on administrative processing that arguably don't apply, but by following them, we could ev- we could move around this law. So let's come back on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio in just a minute. Si usted ha casado con un ciudadano, o tiene problemas con inmigración, o tiene una oferta de trabajo, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Con más de 100 años de experiencia en la ley de inmigración, conocemos la ley y sabemos cómo ayudarle. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611, o visítenos al www.immigration.net. This is Georgia author Doug Dahlgren. I've got a new program starting here, June 12th at 11 a.m. It's called The Prologue, and we'll be introducing you to other writers you may not have heard of yet. Join us, won't you, starting June 12th, 11 a.m. here on America's Web Radio. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national... Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Immigration Hour. Uh, I was I was kind of going off on the Obama administration because, yeah, David, in the break, you pointed out something really good. Judge Smith basically bought into the argument, one, that Texas was damaged by the driver's licenses, which I still continue to believe is a joke. Um, but more importantly, that the because of this Massachusetts versus the EPA case, that the Obama administration had a legal obligation to follow the Administrative Procedures Act of the EPA and publish rules on this. Okay, let's take the Obama administration and say, okay, you don't think you have to publish rules on this. I don't disagree with that, by the way. I don't think this is a rule change either. But let's humor the public. Publish it. You can declare it's an emergency rule. It goes through in 60 days, and it's law. At that point, there's nothing left of their case. They can argue constitutionality, but even Hannon didn't find it unconstitutional. Okay? So, at the end of the day, you follow, you follow, the, follow the APA, and it goes into effect. Uh, here's the other thing that's very interesting. Um, if they do the APA rulemaking, they likely have to go. To, they have to file suit in this, the D.C. District and the District Court of Appeals rather than the Fifth Circuit. So, um, because the damage is going to occur there, I, I, I think that, uh, and I may be wrong, but I think that's probably relatively accurate. So it changes the location of the lawsuit. So if Obama had notice in February that he should have done this, David, tell me why he didn't do it. I think, you know, I, I can't address that. You know the answer to this question. I know you know the answer to this question. <laughs> I think he doesn't, he looks at everything like he's above it anyway. Exactly. He doesn't care. Yeah. He doesn't care. He doesn't care that this, that this gets delayed. He doesn't care how it impacts families. Because if he did, he would order his people to file an emergency rule under the Administrative Procedures Act and get it done. Now, as you know, uh, President Obama was a, was a constitutional law professor. I love doing that. I love your face when I tell you that. I, I just love that. He was a teacher. Uh, he, was, he was an adjunct at, at, a, law, at, at, a, at a law school in Chicago, uh, teaching con law at night. Uh, so th- there's a lot to be said about that. Uh, he knows that this is, I mean, this is constitutional. 
but he also understands and knows the Administrative Procedures Act. And if they would just follow this, so here's my take. One, he doesn't care. Two, this is politically viable for the Democrats to lose this lawsuit. The Democrats aren't hurt at all in the wider Latino community and immigrant community by losing a lawsuit because Democrats get credit for at least having tried to fix it administratively, although looking deeper, you have to ask over and over again why they didn't fix it in 08 and 09 when they had the super majorities and could fix everything they wanted to in the House and the Senate. Uh, and you know who else agrees with me on this, David? Your buddy Charles Krauthammer. Now, I know you've seen uh, Mr. Krauthammer on uh, Fox News on occasion. Mm-hmm. Uh, the night that this came out, he went on Fox News and he said something very, very important. This decision is disastrous for Republicans. Disastrous for Republicans. Because it's a lawsuit brought by Republicans, directed at immigrants. Now, you can say, well, it's directed at illegal immigrants. <laughs> 90% of Latino immigrants are related to or know somebody who's undocumented. I mean, that's powerful. That's powerful. Um, and so basically what you're telling you know, Latino immigrants and Latino citizens in the United States, even those that were born and grew up here for generations, we don't like you. And we're going to stop you from incorporating yourself into our, into our community and our society. That's the message that Krautheimer understands is coming from Republicans that are bringing these lawsuits. It is just a monumentally bad idea for the GOP. And he urged the, to say to Texas, drop the lawsuit, withdraw the claim, let it go into effect, and then put the blame on Obama for not fixing immigration law, for not proposing actual solutions, for not moving forward with the Republican Congress, for not working with the Republican Congress on this. They could do it. They could change the, the argument. We've talked about this many times, but they continue to not do it. I just saw Krauthammer's insight. I don't always agree with him, but I thought his insight was particularly fascinating, uh, particularly since, one, it came on Fox News, and, two, it, it came from Charles Krauthammer. Now, yesterday, David, uh, there was a really interesting article in Salon Magazine where the, uh, the pro-immigration activists are still seeing Obama as their savior. Now, David, I would say, you'd probably agree with me, I'm probably a pro-immigration activist. You'd probably acknowledge that I'm relatively pro-immigration. And you're, I'm, you're a Democrat. I'm relatively, I'm not a Democrat, but I'm a pro-immigration activist, uh, along with lots of my Republican friends, like Haley Barber, or your new, your, now, I actually finally have your presidential candidate is now in the race. You wanted a guy from the military, you got a guy from the military, no, no, the no, great no, 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 senator no, from I the great state of South Carolina, military, not Lindsey Graham, not another attorney. Wait a second, he is a colonel in the United States Army in JAG. Whatever. Yeah, well, now, yeah. now you're Parson Harris. See, now you're Parson Harris. That man has served time in Afghanistan and Iraq. I'm sure he's licensed to kill. <laughs> But Lindsey's been telling his party for the last six months, you people, you're, you're talking out of, out of the wrong side of your head. Now, what do we know about lawyers in general? We know they're good-hearted people <laughs> that are very smart. For and the what most about part. when they open their mouth? They're always telling the truth. <laughs> they're always telling the truth. Uh, none of these Nixon jokes, okay? <laughs> I am not a crook. Uh, so he's in the race. He's your military guy, the guy you've been begging to enter the race. He's good on immigration. You got uh, Jeb Bush, 
running to the center to lose, run, running for the general to lose the primary or something, something like that. He's good on immigration. And you watch, David. They're going to be marginalized in the primary for their statements. Now, it's going to be interesting to see what Mr. Perry says this week in his announcement. I know you're a big uh, Rick Perry fan. Um, and um, I don't know why you're a big Rick Perry fan. I'm trying to figure that out. <laughs> By the way, uh, Donald Trump has also indicated, David. Now, I'm for Donald. I just want to know his hairdresser. You know, the... He can make something out of nothing, and I, I really, I'm going to try his hairstyle. And you and I, him, have the same hairline. His just looks really bigger. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't know if the national budget could sustain his barber. <laughs> <laughs> so, they, as they, a, it sustains <laughs> Michelle's butt. So, so my thing on on Obama's immigration actions is Obama's here. Obama is intentionally not moving forward in a way to disrupt the lawsuit that could easily disrupt the lawsuit and bring DAPA faster because he believes it's in his best interest for Republicans who will do this to keep shooting themselves in the foot. I mean, I, that this is all about politics. Both parties are to blame about politics. Well, I don't get David. This would This would be a major economic boost for our economy. It would be huge. It'd be a huge boost. It'd be huge for tax dollars. It would be used for the housing sector. It would be used for retail sector. This would be a big, big deal. And yet, nothing happens. So I, I am I'm going to continue to lay the blame at the foot of uh, President Barack Obama for, uh, one, not moving forward in 08 and 09. Thank you, Rahm Emanuel. I hope you burn in hell forever. Uh, <laughs> and uh, also on the Republicans for falling in. Literally, he opens the door... The door leads to a balcony with no floor, and the Republicans just walk right on out and fall into the ocean. It just stuns me, the stupidity of the party at this point, of doing stuff like this. Our own party here in Georgia at their convention a couple of weeks ago in Athens, they all, all the activists voted to take driver's licenses away from Dreamer kids, from kids. They're still not going anywhere. They're still going to drive. They're still going to work. Why would you do this? What, what legitimate reason do you have to do that? I mean, it's just stupid. It's, and apparently they think they're going to control the party for the next thousand years and they're going to run the state. They are, they are just on dope. They're smoking dope, as my dad would say. Um, and we see this moving forward in the national election. Um, uh, look at the Democrats. Let's look at Bill Clinton for a second. Now, I know you probably weren't a big Bill Clinton fan. I'm just guessing. Um, so what did he do that took the, took the national political ha- leadership, the White House, away from the Republicans? The Republicans had won five of the previous six elections. What did Bill Clinton do in order to get the White House back? What was his strategy to win, I mean, besides somehow enticing uh, a third party to run so that uh, Bush wouldn't get elect- reelected? What was it that he did? He moved the Dems where? To the left? No. He moved them to the center. So he got all those independent votes. Now, keep in mind, I, I, if I'm correct about this, you can correct me. I don't think Clinton won a majority either time. I don't think he did. Obama has won a majority both times he ran. Um, Gore won a majority, but then still lost the election. We understand that. Uh, but why? Those three guys were running to the center. What has the GOP been doing ever since? 
They keep saying we need to be more conservative. We're not winning because we're not conservative enough. So they keep getting more marginalized on national elections, so marginalized that Barack Obama won two national elections in the majority because he also perceptually, although not in reality, perceptually ran to the center. Interesting, right? I mean, nobody would accuse Barack Obama, I mean, nobody from the, the Elizabeth Warren wing of the party would accuse Barack Obama of being a liberal progressive. Uh, Hillary is by no means a liberal progressive. Uh, what is she? She's a Democrat. She's a and she's a hawk. I mean, you got to I mean she's a big time hawk. Oh, geez, yes. She she's going to make Obama when she's president, and trust me, that's going to happen if they don't do something on the immigration issue. She's going to make Obama look like a wussy. He is. Well, think about that. She, uh, you don't want to be messing with Hillary. You know, you 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 assume that she stuck by stuck by Bill and took out no revenge. You don't really know, do you? <laughs> I imagine she has it framed. You you don't really know, do you? What what really happened behind closed doors? I, I'm too young. <laughs> My, uh, so she is going to be really focused, I think, when she is president. Um, and I know that GOP will try to they'll try to win by destroying her, but they will have no viable alternative if they stick by their their anti-immigration plan because they can't attract that centrist. Uh, and that, that centrist vote and that, that, that vote uh, to go after the immigrant communities. Uh, so, David, as we move forward here, I would tell people on the DAPA question, keep paying attention. Read the briefs that come out. Follow me on Facebook. Um, I'm, I did one. By the way, you're probably already there. I'm almost at my 5,000 friend limit on Facebook. Well, good. Uh, and so at that point, I don't think I can friend anybody anymore, but um, I guess I can start another page, right? Nobody stops me from doing that. I get to start another page, a family and friends page. Isn't that really what Facebook's supposed to be about anyway? Uh, now, David, there is another um, another individual. Let's call her an activist that's been talking about immigration this week, and I know you are a huge fan. <laughs> um, Ann Coulter, you're a big Ann Coulter fan, aren't you? Sure. Um, uh, now you know who Ann Coulter is, yes. of course. Uh, can you, in uh, one word, describe Ann Coulter from your perspective? Host. Host? Yeah. It's an interesting word. What does she host? Radio show. Oh, she has a radio show? Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. That's Laura Ingram. I think you're confusing the blondes. I don't think Coulter's got a show. I, I think she did. appears on shows. Oh, okay. Okay. I think you could... That's Laura maybe, Ingram, you're thinking. That's not maybe a we, Maybe we could just call her a guest. A guest. <laughs> she's a guest. Um, she is uh, a conservative... So she's known as a, quote, conservative columnist. Uh, but she just wrote a book on, um, on immigration because she knows so much about it. Um, and oddly enough, she was on... Um, a show called Fusion recently. This is a, a show on Univision. Uh, it brings kind of Spanish and American cultures together. Um, and uh, she said some really interesting stuff, David. Let's talk about it when we get back on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Soy Charles Cook, el jefe del grupo de abogados Cook Immigration Partners. Estoy en su lado. Con más de 20 años de experiencia con la ley de inmigración, conozco cómo ayudarle. Sé la ley. 
y sé que alguna gente podemos ayudar. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611. A las 404-816-8611. O visítenos en el internet. www.immigration.net. Hi, I'm Bree with Turning Point USA. And I've got some really exciting news here. I'm going to be the host of a new radio show, Turning Point USA Radio, right here on America's Web Radio. Our start date is June 3rd at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Please tune in to learn all about what Turning Point USA does on campuses across the country and hear from a few really exciting guests that we have. Can't wait for you to listen. Bye. This is Georgia author Doug Dahlgren. I've got a new program starting here June 12th at 11 a.m. It's called The Prologue, and we'll be introducing you to other writers you may not have heard of yet. Join us, won't you, starting June 12th, 11 a.m. here on America's Web Radio. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. David, I forgot to give you one other update about the garden. Uh, I was uh, mowing my grass in my area down there, and uh, as I was mowing, the tractor was kind of belching smoke and was kind of struggling a little bit. Oh, you told me. And all of a sudden, I heard this bing, 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 bing. <laughs> Boom! Yeah, you told me about that. Did I tell that. you that last yeah. week? Did you get the new engine? There are no new engines. They do not make uh, refurbished engines for that particular John Deere. So you have to find like a salvage one. No, I'm out of luck. I'm out of luck. The Yanmar three-cylinder, out of luck. Uh, so it uh, looks like I'm buying a new tractor. So I'm on Craigslist now I'm looking for looking for a three- to six-cylinder engine, to, a car, a vehicle, a tractor to, to mow my grass. <laughs> what kind of what kind of uh, more do you? I had I had a John Deere. Uh, I had a, a tow behind yeah. uh, uh, tractor driven uh, uh, with the PTO uh, finish mower. Or? Yeah, PTO finish mower, uh, which worked great. I mean, it, it's not a belly one. I don't, I don't like the belly ones. I like the tow behind ones better. I think you get a you think you get a better cut personally, but that's just me. Yeah, I mean, I had I had a uh, back in the farming days had a uh, Ford made in England. And uh, and I had a little uh, bushwhacker that we called them back then, but uh, then I then I went big time and got a instead of a two row I got a six row. Oh wow, six row! That's 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 the big that's the big boys. Yeah. That's the big boys. So we're just talking about your 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 love interest to Ann Coulter. <laughs> um, I read this fascinating article uh, in um, Men's Health magazine several years ago where a guy went on a date with her. Oh my. It's all I could tell you. Oh, my. Here's what she has a quote from her book. Uh, when I'm in charge of immigration, after a 10-year moratorium, I will not admit overweight girls. <laughs> okay. I mean, th this is really a vile, real vile woman. Um, so uh, on the show Fusion, there was an immigration activist that was there, Gabby Pacheco, and she asked whether she could give Holter, Holter a hug as a sign of my humanity and yours. Uh, Coulter rejected the request, saying she had a cold and coughing loudly, saying, let's get on with the question. 
So her book is called Adios America. Um, it uh, she, she really, I mean, you you, you sh- don't buy this book. Get it to the library so you don't give her any more money. But uh, she is just a vile human being. I just don't get why she gets as much attention as she does. Uh, now, David, I this week we're looking forward to Rick Perry's announcement. What do you think uh, Brother Rick is going to be moving forward? I think he's going to still have that same type of immigration stance that he had before, or is he going to have more of a um, uh, more of a right weaning, uh, close the borders behind me kind of kind of statement? What do you what do you where do you think Rick's going to fall down on this? Rick uh, will will uh, make a fool out of himself no matter what he does. That's mm-hmm. that's how he's going. To that's how he it. does. So that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, he can put his foot in your mouth and, and his mouth at the same time. <laughs> you know? Folks, that's from a genuine Texan saying that. So you know, I, I tell you, he's when when a yell leader at A and M is not uh, like coming back as an alum. There's something wrong, and uh, Mr. Perry is not a well liked A and M graduate, Texas A and M graduate. From what I hear, I don't know personally. Hmm. Uh, you know, in 2011, in a debate, he defended his decision to give inside tuition to undocumented immigrants as I saying, I don't think you have a heart if you oppose tuition discounts for illegal immigrants. Uh, earlier this year, he said he used a really bad choice of words, but offering inside tuition to illegal immigrants was an intellectual decision about the economics of the state. Uh, I'm really looking forward to see what... Um, what he does. You know, he is the one that ordered the Texas National Guard down the border last year uh, to stem the flow of tides of, of, of children coming to America because, heaven forbid, we should accommodate children as refugees in the United States. Uh, but I am um, I'm looking at this whole idea of Rick Perry running for president as really an entertainment opportunity for us. Back, back to Coulter, you know, she, she's one of you all. Is she? Yeah. She's a Democrat? No, she's, she's an attorney. She's an attorney? You found that out? Yeah. You read her bio. She, she got her JD from Michigan Law School. She was a Michigan Law School, uh, Michigan Law Review editor. Or oh, wow. Well, that says a lot about, uh, about her background. Attorneys. <laughs> well, that explains a lot of her deep-seated uh, uh, phobias at that point. Uh <laughs> Uh, David, I don't know if you know about this, but uh, the Obama administration has deported lots of people. I think you, I know we talked about that before. Did you also know? Oh, she does have an immigration background. Really? What's her immigration background? Um, she worked for the Senate Judiciary Committee where she handled crime and immigration issues for Senator Spencer Abraham. Well, isn't that interesting? Because Spencer Abraham was a very pro-immigrant Senator, until he lost his re-election. Now, isn't that interesting? I probably met her back in the day because I worked with Spencer Abraham back in the day when I was with Ayla back in the nineties. She became a uh, uh, litigator with the uh, Center Fox Individual Rights in Washington D.C. Centers for Inter- Individual Rights. A public interest law firm. It sounds like she was a, a community pro, activist, pro immigration. Well, I can tell you, she's not pro immigration anymore. Uh, she must have found a nice soft spot for her books to sell. <laughs> um, uh, she's a good attorney, I'm sure. 
Uh, I'm sure she is. That's why she makes good arguments. Uh, now, David, the Obama administration has done a great job of putting people into deportation proceedings. What they've done a terrible job at doing is increasing the funding for deportation proceedings. Right now, uh, there are over almost 500,000 cases in the immigration court backlog. And although they've added about 65 judges in the last couple of years, that's just served to replace the judges who are retiring. And if I got my numbers right, there of the 230, 225 judges that currently exist, well over half of them are eligible for retirement in the next year or two. Uh, now, right now, some of those judges are handling over 3,000 cases at one time. Um, I mean, that's just insane. And they don't have clerks. It's not like a federal court judge who handles 20 cases and he's got you know two clerks working for him and 16 different sets. It's literally that judge. Um so yesterday, the uh, the head of the immigration uh, courts, uh, for his, in his very first video, in very first interview, talked about the need to uh, to increase funding. So the House Appropriations Committee, run by Republicans, by the way, has recommended the largest increase in immigration judges in history. Uh, calls for fifty five new immigration judges and uh, through seventy four million dollars in uh, in additional money, as well as other court improvements. But even if you added 55 judges, okay, instead of 3,000 cases, they have 1,500, they have 2,000 cases or 2,100 cases. It's a dr- you literally need to double the number of immigration judges. Now, here's your problem. Where are you going to get immigration judges from? <coughs> I wouldn't want to be an immigration judge. I mean, what a terrible job to deport people. And do we want people as judges who love deporting people? No, we want people who are fair, right? Uh, but they, you know, and from what you just said, they couldn't, there's no way they could be fair. Interesting point. You know, yeah, I, they probably don't want to not be fair, mm-hmm. but with the ratios that you're talking about, you probably don't get past the person's name and deport stay, deport, stay, maybe they do it every other one or so. Who knows? You, you know, it's, you it, can't be fair with that kind of numbers. I will tell you that when I was a young immigration lawyer, the judge would ask, well, how long is this trial going to take? I said, well, judge, might take all day. This is 26 years ago, right? This might take, you know, six, eight hours. Okay. Then she'd put it down. No big deal. You can't get more than a two-hour hearing anymore. I mean, you can ask for it, but, you know, short of there being some act of God, let's go, let's get going, let's get the, let's get the evidence out. And that's good for certain cases, but it's terrible for others. You got somebody claiming asylum from you know Sudan, whose first language is not English, uh, trying to get over their PTSD because they were tortured by the the, 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 the the tribe over there that's running the government. You think you're going to get answers out in two hours that, that allow you to establish a case? I mean, you in, in a different language, which is doubles the length of the hearing. So these hearings have become less and less fair. Uh, you have judges whose approval rates of, of like asylum cases are in the single digits or zero, as a couple of judges have, have never approved an asylum case in the last year. How, where is the fairness of that? Do you, do you really think that there are no approvable cases that came before a judge? I mean, it's and yet you have other judges that approve eighty percent of their cases. Do you really think eighty percent of the cases are all true and correct? I would say no as well. Uh, so you have a real problem in the system where there is because of the workload. 
because of the law itself, the way the law is written, because of who our ju- who the judges are and what their backgrounds are, you have a complete abdication of uh, due process. There is always no due process down there. I have men and women, David, who have been arrested by ICE uh, because they were driving without a license. So ICE gives them a here and here, here. You have to go to court. Here's your charging document. It's like you're an indictment. Here's your indictment. You get, we'll let you know when to go to court. They come to me two years later. I, have, I don't have a court notice. People complain about Fulton County here in Georgia about how long it takes to get a, get a trial on a traffic offense. That's nothing compared to immigration court. And even if these people get into court, then it's two to three more years before they have a hearing after that. So what, you know, where is the efficacy of a deportation process where due process is required? Uh, and we want to, I mean, we want as Americans to be due process to be involved in these kind of decisions when you have to wait five to six years for a final decision on your case. I mean, that's, there's no due process in that for anybody, for the individual or for the, or for the country. Uh, and yet this is what's been going on. Uh, this this money from the House of... It's $74 million. Okay, it's a lot of money. It's probably more money than you have in your bank account right now. Barely. Not by much, but a couple by a couple million. It's still not enough to run a nationwide immigration court system. It's not. Not even close. They handle these number of cases. 500,000 cases. How can you handle it? I mean, if you look at a law firm that had 500,000 cases, they'd probably have... A thousand lawyers and paralegals. These people have a couple hundred. I mean, there is no due process here. There is no due process here. It's really remarkable to me to see um, Congress kind of patting themselves on the back. Oh, we're going to enhance video teleconferencing and information technology and get additional immigration support and coordination with DHS and blah, 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 blah. But there's no due process without funds. Let's take a break here on the Immigration Hour and come back on our last segment on America's Web Radio. Soy Charles Cook, abogado y jefe del grupo de abogados Cook Immigration Partners. Llámenos hoy si usted tiene problemas con inmigración, si ha sido arrestado, si se casó con un ciudadano o tiene una oferta de trabajo. Nosotros le podemos ayudar. También podemos explicar cómo, qué puedes hacer para recibir los beneficios de inmigración. Llámenos hoy a las 404-816-8611, 404-816-8611, o visítenos por el internet al www.immigration.net. This is Dr. George. Join me Wednesday mornings at 9 o'clock for Medicine on Call. On Medicine on Call, we talk about more than medicine. It's about how to take control of your mind, body, and spirit. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the final segment on today's edition of the Immigration Hour. Uh, 
the oldest and most listened to immigration podcast in the what known universe, David? Something like that. Um, although I, I was reading Richard's article about that, David. Uh, we may not be alone after all in the universe. We may not be alone. I wish I could go out there. It'd be kind of cool. Somebody asked, would you go on a starship? Tomorrow. I would do that tomorrow. I think that'd be awesome. I think that'd be awesome. Uh, but David, I, I need to point out a um, Fox News misstatement. I know you're going to be stunned by this, uh, and you probably need to turn Fox News off in your office when you go in, but um, the, the, the Fox News folks uh, came out uh, recently uh, and talked about um, the fact that um, Obama continues to allow... Uh, Dangerous people to cross the border, and the illegal immigration is, is is turning America into a wasteland of Spanish-speaking taco eaters or some crazy stuff like that. Um, but uh, here's something interesting uh, that just came out um, from the Pew Center: uh, as the Department of Homeland Security continues to pour money into border security, evidence is emerging emerging that illegal immigration flows have fallen to their lowest level in at least two decades. The nation's population of illegal immigrants, which more than tripled to 12.2 million between 1990 and 2007, has dropped by 1 million, according to the demographers at the Pew Research Center. So after its meteoric rise under Bush's watch and in his own Texas backyard, the number of undocumented immigrants has actually dropped by a million people. Stranger still... If you believe the conventional wisdom, even who we talk about when we talk about illegals is vastly different under Bush or Clinton than today. So a key, but largely overlooked. Signs of these ebbing flows is the changing makeup of the undocumented population. Until recent years, illegal immigrants tended to be young men streaming across the southern border in pursuit of work. But demographic data shows that the typical illegal immigrant now is much more likely someone who is 35 or older and has lived in the United States for a decade or more. These aren't gun runners hiding in border towns making shady deals with criminals. They're families, American families, who have been in this country since before the iPhone came out, before Mad Men premiered. They've been here before you knew what Facebook was. They aren't having anchor babies. They are already firmly anchored in communities across the country. Your neighbor you've known for years, he she or me might, might be undocumented. The tragedy is they smile and wave as you drive by, but they're secretly, ter- secretly terrified that one day they may be found out. In the height of ironies, this immigration data has been released the same week that the right-wing perpetual garbage machine and Coulter <laughs> has been making the rounds on Fox and other conservative outlets to re- relentlessly promote her new book, that is all about fear-mongering about, quote, illegals. She conveniently ignores the reality of the situation to instead sell the idea that Mexicans are, not kidding here, more dangerous than ISIS. Her outrageous statements betray the insecurity in the facts they stand on. For her, undocumented people must be more dangerous than ISIS because the real threat is just so dull. Who would be afraid of a 35-year-old woman who has lived in the country for 10 years, has a job and a family, and just wants to be recognized by the government so she can pay taxes and utilize government services? Much better to compare her to terrorists. It's amazing to behold. Like a star being sucked into the black hole of rage, we get to watch the sound and fury of the last desperate struggles of a dying Republican talking point in real time. Lucky us. I love this. This is a great article. This is a great article. Um... So I think moving forward that um, the idea that uh, 
immigration is a bad thing and there's lots of illegal immigration, it's just going to go away because the facts, somebody will eventually look at the facts. And David, the good news is anybody who's been listening to this show for quite a period of time understands the facts as well because we've been talking about the facts. Illegal immigration is dropping like a rock. We're catching fewer and fewer people at the border uh, because fewer people are coming in. Lots fewer Mexican nationals are coming in. Those that are coming in the southern border are from Central America, some from Latin America, although not very many from South America, and some from uh, Asia. Uh, but the numbers are just a lot lower, and they're just and we doing a. I think the border patrol is doing a relatively good job for the most part of catching lots of people. Now they they have other issues with the border patrol that we're not talking about today, but it's a job that I think is very difficult. But the facts are the facts, and the facts tell us now. The illegal immigration is at its lowest level in 20 years in the United States. I think back to this, David. Uh, 20 years ago, we were in the midst. We had just come out of Pete Wilson's win in California, uh, where he uh, demonized illegal immigrants and rode a, a shaky re-election train to a re-election victory on the backs of Prop 187. Uh, Prop 187 now has been relegated to the dustbin of history. Um, and uh, its legacy is falling apart all over the United States as courts address these issues. Uh, Gingrich, who was at the time my congressman from my district, was he your congressman at that time too or not? He was my congressman, um, was seeing the victory by, uh, 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 by Pete Wilson and amplifying the contract on America or the contract with America, one of the, the basis of which was to, cut, to crack down on illegal immigration. Now, at the time, in 1995, 20 years ago, there was about 3 million undocumented immigrants in America. That's it. Now, that had grown from about 1 million after amnesty. We legalized up about 3 million people, and there's still about a million left. So about 2 million people came in in six years. But what's happened since? Up until 2000, so not more than 12 years later in 2007, there was 12 million illegal immigrants. It had quadrupled, 400% increase in illegal immigration during the latter half of the Clinton administration and all of the Bush administration. Why? It's interesting. In 1996, Congress passed the law. That law said, if you come in illegally, you can't get a green card here. You've got to go back home. So who doesn't? And, and then the law said, if you're here illegally and you leave, you can't come back for 10 years. So what do people start doing? Or what do people stop doing? They stopped going back. They started staying. Jobs were created. The economy exploded with growth. Lots of jobs were created in construction in areas where there weren't enough U.S. workers to do the job. In areas where Americans didn't want to work. Affluency came to America because of the economic increase during the uh, Clinton and Bush, Bush years. So we invited people to come in. We didn't enforce the borders, true, during the Clinton and Bush years, a little bit, but not as much as they could have, even though the laws themselves were toughened. But now we're dealing with the legacy of these laws that cause people damage who have been here long periods of time, who could legalize, who could get green cards through family, but now are barred because of a bad law. So we look at this lowest level of illegal immigration in 20 years, one, because the Border Patrol and the, the border itself is much more secure than it's ever been, but we're also looking at this in new ways um, to see exactly what the, what the damage was caused by legislation. I put the blame for illegal immigration squarely on the shoulders, not of Clinton, not of Bush, not of Obama, but of Congress. Congress passed laws that were not helpful 
in enforcing immigration and illegal and stopping illegal immigration. As a result of them not passing good laws or, or effectively passing back bad laws, what they've done is create a predictable chaos in the system. Predictable chaos. Um, and I will tell you, David, I saw it coming. I talked about talking about it for years. The American Immigration Lawyers Association fought against that law change in 1996. And we literally couldn't stop the, the nightmare we knew was going to be coming. We knew it was going to be coming. We just literally couldn't stop it um, because Pete Wilson had won re-election. It was a good issue for Republicans. Remember, they were getting back, uh, they were supposed to get, you know, they were hiding, riding high in the Reagan years. After the Reagan years, they, Clinton was in the White House and they hated Clinton. I mean, they really hated Clinton. They needed to do something to attack him. And they did, but you know who else I'm also going to blame? Bill Clinton. He signed that bill. He signed that bill. In election year, he signed that bill. Uh, and uh, today he says it's one of the bills he regrets. That doesn't do a lot of good for the people whose lives were destroyed by it. Um, but at the end of the day, we're still living with it. And uh, my prediction for this Congress, David, is they will be an, uh, another do-nothing Congress on the issue of immigration. Now, they are doing other stuff. Got the trade bill passed, right? Kind of. Uh, they're working on the, uh, the, uh, some uh, uh, spying stuff today. I know you're happy about that. They'll be able to. Uh, do, you, do you have to record all your programs and send them to the NSA, or do they just take them from your servers when you're not watching? We meet at one of the clubs. Meet at one of the clubs, hand over a hard drive to them. Is that how it works? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and yet, they can work on that, but they can't work on the immigration issue. Um, we've got an immigration situation where we're now spending. Uh, close to what twelve billion dollars a year on immigration, on border enforcement, etc. We have twenty thousand border patrol agents, and illegal immigration is stopping not necessarily because of that, but because of the changing demographics of a Latin America. Uh, David, it's been a good week this week. Now, one other guy I want to talk about before we go is Rick Santorum. I know you were excited to see Rick. How is he qualified to be president? Come on down. Anybody can do it, right? Yeah. David, you're probably waiting for me to announce on this show that I will be running for president. I thought you would have already done it, personally. But. You know, maybe we should have, maybe we should do it. And, yeah. Because uh, really, if Rick Santorum can run for president, really anybody, anybody can run for president. Can run for if Rick Santorum can run for president, then Lindsey Graham can run for president. Then Rick Perry can run for president. Now, some will say, well, you're not being fair. Your These are very Christie's smart people, and they've, they've accomplished a lot in their lives. Really, is that who you want for president of the United States? I've got two words for you if you want Rick Santorum as president of the United States. Barack Obama. <laughs> in reverse. Unqualified to be president of the United States. Um, so I'll leave you with those happy words this week, David, as we move forward. Uh, other than that, uh, we're looking forward to, uh, there's not going to be any big news on immigration. Uh, this thing, we don't expect it to be any. There have been a couple good... Um, there was a really good Supreme Court case that came down we'll talk about next week uh, on immigration as it relates to socks. Yes, David, socks. Oh. That's the teaser for next week, immigration and socks. Oh, one other word, drugs. Immigration, socks, and drugs, and at that point, we'll sign off. This is Chuck Cook on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.